Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello again, everybody. I'm Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Senior Economist and Vice President of Intelligence. And once again, as always, I'm joined in studio by Ryan Wise, Rennie's Market Intelligence Manager and Lead Analyst within our Intelligence Division. Rye, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. You've been watching lots of baseball playoffs? I have. Uh, I have. And yeah. I have a beef. Okay. <laughs> let's hear it. So my beef is, I mean, many people might have a beef with baseball because the season is 162 Don't games Don't get me long. started on that. You think that's too long? Way too long. But what's more absurd is the new playoff structure, new-ish. Mm-hmm means that you play 162 games and teams have injuries and you know some some players are hot some are cold but it all evens out so really at the end of 162 games that's a good sample size right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like we're talking about whoever's at the top of the heap after 162 games is probably actually the best team yeah and whoever's at the bottom is probably the worst but then you go into the playoffs and immediately for a number of the teams they're playing a best of three series so it's really win two out of three games. And the best teams in the league don't even have a winning percentage over the whole season that is that sees them winning two out of three games. So yeah. it ends up just being a total, like in some ways, a crapshoot mm-hmm. when you get into the playoffs. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, yeah, we should aside. move on. Beefs aside. <laughs> um, so we, we, we don't have an advisor joining us today. This is a special edition of the Rennie Podcast where we want to do two things. One, we will spend a few minutes going through the latest and greatest goings on in Vancouver's housing market, as we always do, mm-hmm. but we'll keep that one brief. But we also want to share some insights from the latest edition of the Rennie Landscape. So, uh, Rye, for our listeners, what is the Rennie Landscape and why do we produce it? Yeah, for sure. The Rennie Landscape is our signature semi-annual report. And I think the difference for this report kind of versus all the other different types of content that we publish is all that other stuff really looks at sort of what's going on in our local housing market using, call it traditional real estate metrics. So things like sales, listings, prices, you know, how they're changing, what the dynamics are and sort of market conditions, all sort of understand like what is happening in our housing market. Um, And then the Rennie landscape looks at all those sort of other external sort of bigger picture factors that are influencing things. So the labor market, financial markets, debt, demographics, and of course, inflation and interest rates, everyone's favorite topic these days. And I think the point of the publication is really to focus on other things that are happening with these sort of broader macro trends, um, whether nationally, globally, or more locally here in BC, and to try and understand how they're influencing our housing market and why Mm -hmm. things are behaving the way they are here at home. Um, So we've written it in a way where you can sort of, each section is on its own, but they all kind of tie together. So you can read it front to back, back to front. You can jump in in whatever topics interest you the most. Um, And I think whether you're, you know, a buyer or a seller, a developer, an investor, or someone who's just interested in in our real estate market, uh, there's I think there's something there for everyone. Absolutely. And we want to save some time to really flesh out some of the insights and themes yeah. from the Rennie Landscape, which has just dropped, is available on our website at rennie.com slash intelligence. Mm-hmm. A little plug there. 
uh, if you're interested. Uh, but briefly, Rye, let's start with our local housing market sure. and what we're seeing currently, what we saw last month. Last month on the podcast, I asked you if August represented a sort of inflection point mm-hmm. for our housing market. You said maybe. I think I said no. You said no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what do you say now? I, it was one I, month, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. I think... And I think the sort of what I was getting at last month, it was more of a continuation of a few trends that we started to see in the summer, earlier in the summer. Um, and I think those trends still hold. So I wouldn't necessarily call it an inflection point, but more a continuation of a broader trend, mm. um, which is really sort of bucking traditional seasonality in favor of everyone's new favorite term, macroality. Um, and so I think in September we get a bit more of this. Um, so I'll kind of go through the numbers and we can talk about what it mm-hmm. means and why, why we're saying that. Um, so we have fewer than 3,000 sales last month in September, which is the first time we haven't seen that since February. It's the lowest of any month since February. Um, and it is 17% fewer than August. Normally you'd see just a small dip in sales from August to September. We saw a much larger one as again, these high rates are working their way through the economy and they're really bringing, I think, buyers to the sidelines on this. So we're seeing um, not not the typical September we would see from a, from a sales perspective, from a demand side perspective. Um, and we're seeing something completely different on the supply side. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of going back to that, that sort of macro conversation, which is, um, so on the listings front, there were far more new listings than you would expect to see. So there were just over 8,000 new listings, which is a big 28% increase over August, much larger than you typically see in that sort of August to September change. Um, And then even more than that past decade average, so about 5% higher than that uh, past 10-year average. And Ryan, I got to ask you, like, when was the last time we talked about listings being above the long-run average? Total listings? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, been yeah, ages. Yeah. We've been talking about constrained supply for <clears throat> years. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the theme of this market. And certainly within resale, the numbers have borne that out. Mm-hmm. So we finished September over 16,000 and change well over 16,000 listings. So it was an 11% jump from the month before, which again is way more than typical. Um, and actually the highest now total inventory in three years. Yeah, that's the thing that really surprises me that I think might be notable for people listening to this uh, who follow the market. And that's not just the highest in three years for September. That's the highest of any month in the past three, three and a half years. Uh, Since October 2020. It was October. Yeah, that was the last time we were over uh, over that mark. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of factors, like we just said, about the rainy landscape. Housing markets are complicated. There's a ton of things influencing it. But what we're seeing is sort of that single biggest influence today is still high interest rates. That's still really the driver um, at that at that local level. You know, it's interesting. It's so simplistic, right? And we mm-hmm. keep hammering that point. Yeah. A lot of people talk about it. We were having conversations uh, around the long table here yesterday, really getting into the weeds about the market and bringing new supply to the market and what's keeping buyers on the sidelines and uh, costs and price points and whether you bought land 20 years ago and five years ago and all worthwhile conversations and observations, conversations to be had, observations to mm-hmm. make about the market because it all impacts the dynamic. Yeah, but we talked, we, we, we stopped for a moment. We said like, well, listen, doesn't it really like if, if interest rates, if, if a five-year fixed mortgage rate wasn't 
six and a half percent, but instead it was three and a half percent right now. Wouldn't the market look very, very different? Yes. And I, yeah, I and, think- and in section two of this this podcast, we'll sort of say why. Um, but absolutely. And I think really what we're seeing is, you know, very few buyers are active. And now, finally, after a year and a half of high rates of people going through their savings, we're seeing more sellers. Some of them, at least at the margin, are probably stressed. And we're seeing is more and more inventory. We're starting to see a change in yep. that sort of dynamic of the market where we're no longer in a, in a place that favors sellers. We're no longer in an ultra constrained inventory environment. And we're starting to see, again, a bit of downward pressure on prices after prices really increased over the first half of the year. For sure. And I, I I think, you know, for people that are have listed their property or thinking about it, prices have really softened mm-hmm. um, the last couple of years or months notably. And as we look ahead, we just, you know, you, you we ask ourselves, we say, well, what would change the, the dynamic in the market so that there would be a, a change in conditions so mm-hmm. that uh, there would be maybe less supply, more demand? Not that we want that. I mean, that is, you know, that puts buyers in a tough position. Yeah. The reality is right now, sellers, some sellers are in a tough position, yeah. but we're not really seeing that thing that would influence the market in that way. I, yeah. There's only one thing, and I don't think we're going to see it in the rest of the year. But we will talk about it soon. Yes. Okay. Um, and again, looking ahead, like we'll get to the sort of full month October results uh, next month. But, you know, we track this stuff on a daily basis, and we're almost halfway through October as of recording. And so far, the the trends hold true again in October. We're seeing sort of a little bump in sales in October, but you'd expect to see a lot more uh, and a big bump in listings when you'd expect to see them kind of come off. And so I think this trend of, you know, contra seasonality is going to continue through the month of October. And I think next month we're going to be talking about the same story again, and we'll have more numbers to put to it. Indeed. Look forward to that. Okay. So let's draw a line under the uh, market update Mm -hmm. and let's pivot towards the Rennie landscape. Okay. And what that's all about, um, it comes out twice a year. So, you know, conditions and, and the world in which uh, the landscape is penned is, you know, it evolves and it changes. And I think there's some some key themes emerging from this report mm-hmm. as it relates to, you know, there's a focus on some national level uh, metrics, yep. things happening at the national level, which is impacting economies and markets everywhere. And then there's more localized observations that 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 we make and insights to be drawn from that. So, Rai, why don't I turn it over to you? You can sort of summarize maybe the the three primary themes, even yeah. though we cover a, a wide range of, of uh, subject matter in there, just distill it down to a few insights. Yeah. So I think there's really three themes that kind of jump out in this issue. One, population growth is growing. Two, Inflation is fluctuating, but the economy is slowing. Three, interest rates will start to come down next year. Bold. Yeah, next year. <laughs> um, okay, so what do I mean by that? Um, so let's start with population. Canada has been growing primarily through international migration for a while, and we've really ramped up the pace of our immigration. Um, we talked at length last time about how 2022 is a record year for both population growth and for international migration. We added just over 1 million people last year when the previous record was 600,000. And can I just jump in there too? Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I have to, that, that context versus the US where the US also added about a million people yeah. is and, just incredible. And the me. rule of thumb with the US, they're 10 times our size. So you do whatever we do times 10, except yeah. not 
in the case of migration last year. (laughs) Right. Um, So we have six months worth of population estimates for this year. And through six months, we've added about 600,000 people. And population growth, especially through international migration, is usually higher in the second half of the year than the first. A big reason for that is international students who show up in August for school. So the first half of this year compared to the first half of last year's record high population growth is a 61% increase. That's absurd. Yeah. I don't... uh, (laughs) It's absurd sounding. I mean, it's last year, the pace of growth as we were tracking it through the year was just sort of like incredible. You sort of like rub your eyes each month at the the latest data point because you're Mm -hmm. going like, this is not just a record. This is a record by a mile. And we just have like continued right into 2023 with truly unprecedented growth. Yeah. So we talk in the landscape about international migration. So permanent residents coming and then temporary permit holders and temporary permits issued. And so through seven months of the year on the temporary permit side, we had issued about a million permits. The record high before was last year at about 1.2 for the year for the year. And the previous record before that was 800 and something thousand for the year. And we just, since publication, we just got the August numbers in more than 300,000 in the month of August alone, because of all all those aforementioned students who came in time for the school year. So through eight months of the year, 1.3 million temporary permits issued a record high for any year ever and blowing last year out of the water already. And we have four months to go. And we have four months to go. So Population growth is growing. (laughs) Okay, so the second theme I mentioned, the idea that the economy is slowing, even if inflation is sort of fluctuating. So to remind everyone, the most recent reading on inflation as of recording was 4%. I think for September, it'll be up a little bit. That's my feeling based on what we've seen in the data. Um, So, you know, it could be down a little bit. It could be up a little bit. The U.S. reading was flat, 3.7 to 3.7%. But we're seeing a lot of indications in other metrics that the economy is starting to slow from the labor market, retail spending on a per capita basis. And I think part of the reason it's not more clear, again, is that all that population Mm -hmm. growth we just talked about, when you you sort of parse through some of the stuff on a per capita basis, I think it becomes clear people are spending less. Um, There are more unemployed people. The unemployment rate has risen even as the number of jobs the, the um, number of employed people are rising. There's so many new comers to Canada are getting jobs. Um, but there is still the softening the economy, right? I think there's a few more points that are worth touching on. There are other things. I mean, we've we've uh, we've touched on them uh, in previous months on this podcast. But, you know, we're seeing the number of EI claimants mm-hmm. for regular benefits, so not sick leave or mat leave, uh, increasing as well. And even in the latest job numbers that were just released, so nationally, um, came out, showed 64,000 new jobs. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, on the surface, it's one of those things you go, oh, wow, you know, the economy's doing doing great. To your point, we are adding a record number of people every year, quarter, month. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we added 64,000 jobs. The unemployment rate month over month, you know, between August and September, the most recent reads, didn't change. Number of unemployed people went up. The mm-hmm. employment rate, the proportion of people employed barely changed. I mean, a tenth of a percentage point. Um, and three quarters of those jobs that we added last month were part-time jobs. So do those jobs stick around? Do they convert to full-time? Time will tell. But we're not seeing obvious strength in 
the labor market. And it makes a lot of sense that these higher rates are starting to bite. I mean, we have more, We've again, this is another thing we've talked about a lot, but anybody who is a homeowner, for example, sooner or later is going to have yep. to reckon with these higher rates. And while wages have been rising at a fairly good clip, most recently, uh, 5% year over year. So that's a little problematic as it relates to inflation, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. That is dwarfed by the month-to-month increasing costs of somebody who uh, is on a variable rate mortgage and has been tracking with the Bank of Canada's rate increases over the past 18 months, or somebody who's on a fixed rate mortgage who is renewing. Some people haven't renewed, and that's good for them up until now, but they will renew eventually. Um, And so it has to, you know, we've said this for a while, but there has to be some give for the economy. There has to be less spending if... In all sectors, if more money is being diverted to, I mean, people are saving more. People are buying um, a government of Canada bonds yeah. that are yielding north of four percent on a, on a uh, for, for annually on a five-year term, mm-hmm. and people are devoting or diverting, I should say, it's more diverting um, income to uh, debt repayment to a greater degree than they were before. For sure. So it, it makes a lot of sense that we are seeing this shift. And I would add that we explore that wages to inflation discussion in the landscape. So if that's something that interests you, the real wage calculation is in there. Okay. So interest rates, obviously this big theme. So um, where are we at? Where are they going? Okay. So the Bank of Canada policy rate is still at 5%. So I said earlier in my themes that interest rates will start to come down next year. I would, so, I mean, that's a pretty broad (laughs) statement, not much of a going out on a limb and making a case. I think probably early Q2 next year, that's what my feeling is. We'll look at the schedule and see when their announcement dates line up. But I would say uh, Q2 next year, I think, is likely for that first cut. Um, But between now and then, I say with not a lot of confidence that I think there's a hold on October 25th. I think it's very easy to make the case for holding, and I think it's very easy to make the case for one more increase. I believe they should not increase. And I think when we go through sort of all the different metrics and the data points, I think the best thing to do is hold at what is quite a high rate today. It's quite a restrictive monetary yeah. policy currently, even without additional rate hikes, because mm-hmm. we know the effects of any one rate hike fully sort of manifest in and throughout the economy uh, over an 18 to 24 month period. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. One of them, if you just look through the lens of the housing market, is um, relates to um, mortgage renewers. Yeah. And so, you know, I, the majority of homeowners with fixed rate mortgage contracts right now have not yet had to face these higher rates. That reckoning is still coming. I don't want to sound like a doomsdayer, but the reality is we are going to have to face that. The reality is if interest rates stay essentially where they are, I mean, call it a quarter point hike uh, in a couple of weeks, even factor in a couple of cuts. If the if If we don't see a significant movement away from where we're at, then it will these higher rates will continue to mm-hmm. slow economic activity. Absolutely. So if you look at what the big banks in Canada are forecasting, some are more aggressive than others in, in projecting a decline in the Bank of Canada's policy rate next year. Mm-hmm. You know, others have adopted a position similar to yours, sort of either early Q2 or late Q2. I think what we can 
affirmatively say confidently is that we aren't going to see a cut this year. That that yeah. much is clear now, given yeah. where inflation is at 4%. And we have another reading on early next week. Yeah. Is that right? We have a data release. So there's a decent chance, as we've talked about, that we're going to see inflation tick up. Yeah. Just to remind everyone of base year effects, which is because inflation is a year-over-year percentage calculation, um, it matters just as much what happened at this time last year as what it, you know prices are doing today. And September, October, November, December of last year had virtually no inflation. December actually had a pretty big decrease, deflation, yep. um, and September had a small increase. So it would take deflation for the next few months in order to bring headline inflation down. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, a lot of moving parts there. Mm -hmm. uh, we know retail gas prices have come down dramatically. Anyone who has a car's driven by or walked by a gas station has has seen the dramatic 20 to 25% decline in gas prices. Although, but that won't manifest until the next data release in a month or so. But that's, you know, there's a disinflationary, deflationary effect, yeah. inertia effect there. And, you know, as we've seen recently too, durable goods. So these are things that people purchase that they don't also consume in the near term. So mm -hmm. think of like uh, furniture appliances. or appliances, yeah. things that have a lifespan of more than a year. Mm -hmm. um, that spending is going to slow. We expect spending in that area to slow. Mm -hmm. People won't make major investments in those types of things. So that right now is running a little bit hot. And of course, interest rates are high and feeding into the inflation calculation. So that's not to say there's nothing to be concerned about for sure, but it's such a more nuanced uh, sort of conversation that's required to parse the data. We can't just take the headline inflation number and say it's a good thing or a bad thing or mm -hmm. we're, we're comfortable or we're uncomfortable with it. So it's going to be an interesting few months and certainly um, as we pivot into the new year. Yeah, so in a nutshell, that's sort of the big, I'd say, themes or takeaways that uh, that we wanted to share from this issue of the Rennie landscape. There's a lot more in there that we're really excited to share with with our readers. So, you know, if you're interested, please check out rennie.com slash intelligence to get your copy of the fall 2023 Rennie landscape. Well, that wraps things up for us today. On today's podcast, we covered a few things. First, we described a housing market in Metro Vancouver that is showing the effects of high borrowing costs with fewer buyers, more sellers, and sliding prices. And second, we shared some of the primary takeaways from the latest edition of our Rennie Landscape Report, namely that unprecedented population growth is masking some of the otherwise reasonably good-looking economic data, that inflation remains a thorn in the side of our economy and in our housing market, and that interest rates will begin their descent sooner than later. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and other intelligence information, as Ryan Wise already noted on rennie.com slash intelligence. To be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox, please register for intelligence updates. Ryan, thanks for doing this. It's been fun. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. It's always fun. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Rennie.